Chapter Twenty Five, Part One of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter Twenty Five, The Perilous Hour up to this time dick venner had not decided on the particular mode and the precise period of relieving himself from the unwarrantable interference which threatened to defeat his plans the luxury of feeling that he had his man in his power was its own reward one who watches in the dark outside while his enemy in utter unconsciousness is illuminating his apartment and himself so that every movement of his head and every button on his coat can be seen and counted experiences a peculiar kind of pleasure if he holds a loaded rifle in his hand which he naturally hates to bring to its climax by testing his skill as a marksman upon the object of his attention besides dick had two sides in his nature almost as distinct as we sometimes observe in those persons who are the subjects of the condition known as double consciousness on his new england side he was cunning and calculating always cautious measuring his distance before he risked his stroke as nicely as if he were throwing his lasso but he was liable to intercurrent fits of jealousy and rage such as the light-hued races are hardly capable of conceiving blinding paroxysms of passion which for the time overmastered him and which if they found no ready outlet transformed themselves into the more dangerous forces that worked through the instrumentality of his cool craftiness he had failed as yet in getting any positive evidence that there was any relation between elsie and the schoolmaster other than such as might exist unsuspected and unblamed between a teacher and his pupil a book or a note even did not prove the existence of any sentiment at one time he would be devoured by suspicions at another he would try to laugh himself out of them and in the meanwhile he followed elsie's tastes as closely as he could determined to make some impression upon her to become a habit a convenience a necessity whatever might aid him in the attainment of the one end which was now the aim of his life it was to humour one of her tastes already known to the reader that he said to her one morning come elsie take your castanets and let us have a dance he had struck the right vein in the girl's fancy for she was in the mood for this exercise and very willingly led the way into one of the more empty apartments what there was in this particular kind of dance which excited her it might not be easy to guess but those who looked in with the old doctor on a former occasion and saw her will remember that she was strangely carried away by it and became almost fearful in the vehemence of her passion the sound of the castanets seemed to make her alive all over dick knew well enough what the exhibition would be and was almost afraid of her at these moments for it was like the dancing mania of eastern devotees more than the ordinary light amusement of joyous youth a convulsion of the body and the mind 
rather than a series of voluntary modulated motions elsie rattled out the triple measure of a saraband her eyes began to glitter more brilliantly and her shape to undulate in freer curves presently she noticed that dick's look was fixed upon her necklace his face betrayed his curiosity he was intent on solving the question why she always wore something about her neck the chain of mosaics she had on at that moment displaced itself at every step and he was peering with malignant searching eagerness to see if an unsunned ring of fairer hue than the rest of the surface or any less easily explained peculiarity were hidden by her ornaments she stopped suddenly caught the chain of mosaics and settled it hastily in its place flung down her castanets drew herself back and stood looking at him with her head a little on one side and her eyes narrowing in the way he had known so long and well what's the matter cousin elsie what do you stop for he said elsie did not answer but kept her eyes on him full of malicious light the jealousy which lay covered up under his surface thoughts took the opportunity to break out you wouldn't act so if you were dancing with mr langdon would you elsie he asked it was with some effort that he looked steadily at her to see the effect of his question elsie colored not much but still perceptibly dick could not remember that he had ever seen her show this mark of emotion before in all his experience of her fitful changes of mood it had a singular depth of significance therefore for him he knew how hardly her color came blushing means nothing in some persons in others it betrays a profound inward agitation a perturbation of the feelings far more trying than the passions which with many easily moved persons break forth in tears all who have observed much are aware that some men who have seen a good deal of life in its less chastened aspects and are anything but modest will blush often and easily while there are delicate and sensitive women who can faint or go into fits if necessary but are very rarely seen to betray their feelings in their cheeks even when their expression shows that their inmost soul is blushing scarlet presently she answered abruptly and scornfully mr langdon is a gentleman and would not vex me as you do a gentleman dick answered with the most insulting accent a gentleman come elsie you've got the dudley blood in your veins and it doesn't do for you to call this poor sneaking schoolmaster a gentleman he stopped short elsie's bosom was heaving the faint flush on her cheek was becoming a vivid glow whether it were shame or wrath he saw that he had reached some deep-lying centre of emotion there was no longer any doubt in his mind with another girl these signs of confusion might mean little or nothing with her they were decisive and final elsie venner loved bernard langdon the sudden conviction absolute overwhelming which rushed upon him had well nigh led to an explosion of wrath and perhaps some terrible scene which might have fulfilled some of old sophie's predictions this however would never do dick's face whitened with his thoughts but he kept still until he could speak calmly 
i've nothing against the young fellow he said only i don't think there's anything quite good enough to keep the company of people that have the dudley blood in them you ain't as proud as i am i can't quite make up my mind to call a schoolmaster a gentleman though this one may be well enough i've nothing against him at any rate elsie made no answer but glided out of the room and slid away to her own apartment she bolted the door and drew her curtains close then she threw herself on the floor and fell into a dull slow ache of passion without tears without words almost without thoughts so she remained perhaps for a half hour at the end of which time it seemed that her passion had become a sullen purpose she arose and looking cautiously round went to the hearth which was ornamented with curious old dutch tiles with pictures of scripture subjects one of these represented the lifting of the brazen serpent she took a hairpin from one of her braids and insinuating its points under the edge of the tile raised it from its place a small leaden box lay under the tile which she opened and taking from it a little white powder which she folded in a scrap of paper replaced the box and the tile over it whether dick had by any means got a knowledge of this proceeding or whether he only suspected some unmentionable design on her part there is no sufficient means of determining at any rate when they met an hour or two after these occurrences he could not help noticing how easily she seemed to have got over her excitement she was very pleasant with him too pleasant dick thought it is not elsie's way to come out of a fit of anger so easily as that she had contrived some way of letting off her spite that was certain dick was pretty cunning as old sophie had said and whether or not he had any means of knowing elsie's private intentions watched her closely and was on his guard against accidents for the first time he took certain precautions with reference to his diet such as were quite alien to his common habits on coming to the dinner-table that day he complained of headache took but little food and refused the cup of coffee which elsie offered him saying that it did not agree with him when he had these attacks here was a new complication obviously enough he could not live in this way suspecting everything but plain bread and water and hardly feeling safe in meddling with them not only had this school-keeping wretch come between him and the scheme by which he was to secure his future fortune but his image had so infected his cousin's mind that she was ready to try on him some of those tricks which as he had heard hinted in the village she had once before put in practice upon a person who had become odious to her something must be done and at once to meet the double necessities of this case every day while the young girl was in these relations with the young man was only making matters worse they could exchange words and looks they could arrange private interviews they would be stooping together over the same book her hair touching his cheek her breath mingling with his all the magnetic attractions drawing them together with strange invisible effluences as her passion for the schoolmaster increased her dislike to him her cousin would grow with it and all his dangers would be multiplied it was a fearful point he had reached he was tempted at one moment 
to give up all his plans and to disappear suddenly from the place leaving with the schoolmaster who had come between him and his object an anonymous token of his personal sentiments which would be remembered a good while in the history of the town of rockland this was but a momentary thought the great dudley property could not be given up in that way something must happen at once to break up all this order of things he could think of but one providential event adequate to the emergency an event foreshadowed by various recent circumstances but hitherto floating in his mind only as a possibility its occurrence would at once change the course of elsie's feelings providing her with something to think of besides mischief and remove the accursed obstacle which was thwarting all his prospects every possible motive then his interest his jealousy his longing for revenge and now his fears for his own safety urged him to regard the happening of a certain casualty as a matter of simple necessity this was the self-destruction of mr bernard langdon such an event though it might be surprising to many people would not be incredible nor without many parallel cases he was poor a miserable fag under the control of that mean wretch up there at the school who looked as if he had sour buttermilk in his veins instead of blood he was in love with a girl above his station rich and of old family but strange in all her ways and it was conceivable that he should become suddenly jealous of her or she might have frightened him with some display of her peculiarities which had filled him with a sudden repugnance in the place of love any of these things were credible and would make a probable story enough so thought dick over to himself with the new england half of his mind unfortunately men will not always take themselves out of the way when so far as their neighbors are concerned it would be altogether the most appropriate and graceful and acceptable service they could render there was at this particular moment no special reason for believing that the schoolmaster meditated any violence to his own person on the contrary there was good evidence that he was taking some care of himself he was looking well and in good spirits and in the habit of amusing himself and exercising as if to keep up his standard of health especially of taking certain evening walks before referred to at an hour when most of the rockland people had retired or in vulgar language gone to bed dick venner settled it however in his own mind that mr bernard langdon must lay violent hands upon himself he even went so far as to determine the precise hour and the method in which the rash act as it would undoubtedly be called in the next issue of the rockland weekly universe should be committed time this evening method asphyxia by suspension it was unquestionably taking a great liberty with a man to decide that he should become fellow de se without his own consent such however was the decision of mr richard venner with regard to mr bernard langdon if everything went right then there would be a coroner's inquest to-morrow upon what remained of that gentleman found suspended to the branch of a tree somewhere within a mile of the apollinian institute the weekly universe would have a startling paragraph announcing a sad event which had thrown the town 
into an intense state of excitement mr bernard langdon a well-known teacher at the apollinean institute was found etc etc the vital spark was extinct the motive to the rash act can only be conjectured but is supposed to be disappointed affection the name of an accomplished young lady of the highest respectability and great beauty is mentioned in connection with this melancholy occurrence dick venner was at the tea-table that evening as usual no he would take green tea if she pleased the same that her father drank it would suit his headache better nothing he was obliged to her he would help himself which he did in a little different way from common naturally enough on account of his headache he noticed that elsie seemed a little nervous while she was rinsing some of the teacups before their removal there's something going on in that witch's head he said to himself i know her she'd be savage now if she hadn't got some trick in hand let's see how she looks to-morrow dick announced that he should go to bed early that evening on account of this confounded headache which had been troubling him so much in fact he went up early and locked his door after him with as much noise as he could make he then changed some part of his dress so that it should be dark throughout slipped off his boots drew the lasso out from the bottom of the contents of his trunk and carrying that and his boots in his hand opened his door softly locked it after him and stole down the back stairs so as to get out of the house unnoticed he went straight to the stable and saddled the mustang he took a rope from the stable with him mounted his horse and set forth in the direction of the institute mr bernard as we have seen had not been very profoundly impressed by the old doctor's cautions enough however to follow out some of his hints which were not troublesome to attend to he laughed at the idea of carrying a loaded pistol about with him but still it seemed only fair as the old doctor thought so much of the matter to humour him about it as for not going about when and where he liked for fear he might have some lurking enemy that was a thing not to be listened to nor thought of there was nothing to be ashamed of or troubled about in any of his relations with the schoolgirls elsie no doubt showed a kind of attraction towards him as did perhaps some others but he had been perfectly discreet and no father or brother or lover had any just cause of quarrel with him to be sure that dark young man at the dudley mansion house looked as if he were his enemy when he had met him but certainly there was nothing in their relations to each other or in his own to elsie that would be like to stir such malice in his mind as would lead him to play any of his wild southern tricks at his mr bernard's expense yet he had a vague feeling that this young man was dangerous and he had been given to understand that one of the risks he ran was from that quarter on this particular evening he had a strange unusual sense of some impending peril his recent interview with the doctor certain remarks which had been dropped in his hearing but above all an unaccountable impression upon his spirits all combined to fill his mind with a foreboding conviction that he was very near some overshadowing danger it was as the chill of the ice mountain toward which the ship is steering under full sail 
he felt a strong impulse to see helen darley and talk with her she was in the common parlour and fortunately alone helen he said for they were almost like brother and sister now i have been thinking about what you would do if i should have to leave the school at short notice or be taken away suddenly by any accident do she said her cheek growing paler than its natural delicate hue why i do not know how i could possibly consent to live here if you left us since you came my life has been almost easy before it was getting intolerable you must not talk about going my dear friend you have spoiled me for my place who is there here that i can have any true society with but you you would not leave us for another school would you no no my dear helen mr bernard said if it depends on myself i shall stay out my full time and enjoy your company and friendship but everything is uncertain in this world i have been thinking that i might be wanted elsewhere and called when i did not think of it it was a fancy perhaps but i can't keep it out of my mind this evening if any of my fancies should come true helen there are two or three messages i want to leave with you i have marked a book or two with a cross in pencil on the fly-leaf these are for you there is a little hymn-book i should like to have you give elsie from me it may be a kind of comfort to the poor girl helen's eyes glistened as she interrupted him what do you mean you must not talk so mr langdon why you never looked better in your life tell me now you are not in earnest are you but only trying a little sentiment on me mr bernard smiled but rather sadly about half in earnest he said i have had some fancies in my head superstitions i suppose at any rate it does no harm to tell you what i should like to have done if anything should happen very likely nothing ever will send the rest of the books home if you please and write a letter to my mother and helen you will find one small volume in my desk enveloped and directed you will see to whom give this with your own hands it is a keepsake the tears gathered in her eyes she would not speak at first presently why bernard my dear friend my brother it cannot be that you are in danger tell me what it is and if i can share it with you or counsel you in any way it will only be paying back the great debt i owe you no no it can't be true you are tired and worried and your spirits have got depressed i know what that is i was sure one winter that i should die before spring but i lived to see the dandelions and buttercups go to seed come tell me it was nothing but your imagination she felt a tear upon her cheek but would not turn her face away from him it was the tear of a sister i am really in earnest helen he said i don't know that there is the least reason in the world for these fancies if they all go off and nothing comes of them you may laugh at me if you like but if there should be any occasion remember my requests you don't believe in presentiments do you oh don't ask me i beg you helen answered i have had a good many frights for every one real misfortune i have suffered sometimes i have thought i was warned beforehand of coming trouble just as many people are of changes in the weather by some unaccountable feeling but not often and i don't like to talk about such things i shouldn't think about these fancies of yours 
i don't believe you have exercised enough don't you think it's confinement in the school that has made you nervous perhaps it has but it happens that i have thought more of exercise lately and have taken regular evening walks besides playing my old gymnastic tricks every day they talked on many subjects but through all he said helen perceived a pervading tone of sadness and an expression as of a dreamy foreboding of unknown evil they parted at the usual hour and went to their several rooms the sadness of mr bernard had sunk into the heart of helen and she mingled many tears with her prayers that evening earnestly entreating that he might be comforted in his days of trial and protected in his hour of danger End of chapter 25 part 1